Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and prayer who is passionate about helping women like you make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of motherhood. A small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia, I've made prayer my game plan for all of life. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. If you wonder how you'll equip your children for this world and all it throws at them, if you have questions about prayer and don't know where to turn for answers, if you need help knowing how to pray through specific issues or seasons, you are in the right place. Prayer really is the most important but most overlooked part of Christian parenting today. Let's change that starting right now and impact generations to come. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to the very first. Well, honestly, today represents several firsts for me. This is Brooke McLaughlin, founder of Million Praying Moms, and this is my very first podcast of 2022. It's the first podcast I'm recording without Aaron as my partner in crime, and it's the first podcast in a brand new series where we're getting to the bottom, or maybe perhaps better said, the root of why believers like us don't have more joy in our lives. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the real problem behind our lack of joy, what's causing it, what's not, and what we can do about it. I think you'll find this season unique in that we're going to be looking below the surface into the heart of why most believers live with less joy than they have access to. We're not just going to give you five steps to a more joyful new year, although we will get practical later in the season. No, we're going to help root out the real heart level reasons that joy seems elusive for most Christians and hopefully help you walk away with a completely different perspective on the topic. Now, before we dive into this first episode in the season, I want to make sure you know about our brand new prayer journal, Everyday Prayers for Joy. It's a 30-day devotional and reflective journal for women. And inside, we're inviting you to give God your next 30 days, investing deeply in becoming a woman who exudes the joy of the Lord, not who just has it, but who shares it. Everyday Prayers for Joy offer short daily devotions a verse or passage of the day, and a scripture-inspired prayer based on that verse, giving you the tools you need not only to learn what true biblical joy is, but also pray for God to make it come alive in your heart and in your home. It uses the Million Praying Moms exclusive Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer designed to help you get the most out of your time in God's word and time spent in prayer. And you can grab your copy now anywhere books are sold or visit our show notes for more information at millionprayingmoms.com. So today and for this entire season, I will be hosting a very special guest who happens to be the author of Everyday Prayers for Joy, Gina Smith. Gina is an author, a podcaster, and a prayer mentor here at Million Praying Moms. She and her husband, Brian, have been married for more than three decades and served as the on-campus parents at a Christian college for more than 20 years while Brian was a professor and a dean of students. They have two grown married children and have committed their lives to living out the gospel. She's no stranger to the podcast either, but just in case, Gina, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family. Alrighty. Thanks for 
having me, Brooke, and for letting me share what the Lord's teaching me. Um, I've been married for 33 years to Brian. And as you said, we have two grown children. And I started writing uh, several years ago. And basically, I did it as an extension of what we were already doing. We were spending time with young couples and college students. And that has just been my heart calling and passion for several years is to create, uh, you know, ask God to create relationships with women of all ages and to point them to Jesus. And so that was my desire as I started writing on, I had a little blog. To my surprise, uh, I started getting a few invitations here and there to write for different websites and was able to write as a regular contributor to one particular ministry. Uh, And then I started feeling the tension of uh, wanting to take advantage of opportunities, but also trying to be available to my family. My kids were in high school. And so I got to the point where I felt like I needed to choose and I um, stopped building a platform I limited my writing and I raised my family. (laughs) And now that they are both married, I've been able to pick it back up and God connected me with Million Praying Moms. And now I'm just so very grateful because I feel like I get to um, just try to encourage women and point them to Jesus, you know, through the ministry, through my own website and through podcasts and now through this book. So I am very excited I'm very, very grateful that God has a plan, even in the emptiness season. Yes, I love that. And I love how all of our stories look different. You know, we're all walking, trying to walk in obedience to what God's called us to do. And you did that. And the way that that you did that looks different than some other, um, you know, others might be called to do that. But the bottom line is that we walk in obedience to what God's called us to do. And I, I really love that. So Gina, in this season, we are going to be talking about the real reasons we don't have joy. And and I have to think that one of the main reasons believers don't experience true biblical joy is that we don't actually understand what true biblical joy is. The world sells us a narrative that looks very different from the way that God's word describes it. And so I thought in today's episode, our, our first one in this series, that it might be a good use of our time to define it. So we've put together a comparison for you guys, if you will, several things that we feel like, several definitions that we feel like the world would want you to believe that joy is, the meaning of the of the word joy or the experience of the word joy in your life by worldly standards versus what the Bible has to say about it. So the first one is that joy, and this is what the world would have you believe, that joy is found in good circumstances, good health, good experiences like that. So, you know, I think for me, I can, I can really relate to that. And I think we all can. In fact, we had a conversation with our kids just the other day. We've been talking about joy a lot in our home as well. It's, it's an easy thing to talk about as we, you know, we're recording this just before Christmas. And so we have been, you know, talking about joy some in our home. And I asked my children to tell me um, when they feel joy. Like what are what are some times in your life when you feel joy? And they were very quick 
to list things like when I do well in a ball game or, you know, when I get something new that I've wanted for a while or, um, you know, when when my friendships are going well or things like that. And they were all experiential. They were all circumstantial. They felt a sense of joy when things were going the way they wanted them to go. And, and truly, even though, you know, I, I would like to think that my kids understand the difference, they're kids, they're teenagers. Of course, they're going to say that, right. They, they understand, um, that feeling of joy. And that is in fact, what the world wants us to think, but there's so much more to joy than just good circumstances or good health. Um, you know, I think if I asked that same question to my parents, they might say, I experience joy when I feel good, or I experience joy when I get to see my grandkids or things like that, all circumstantial. But what does the Bible say, Gina, as it relates to finding joy in good circumstances and good health and things like that? First of all, I I feel like I can understand why your kids or even your parents would have those answers because um, I'm still, I'm still learning about what this means too, you know, I, I've, even since I wrote the book, I feel like it's just, uh, I'm getting a deeper understanding of it. Um, so it's understandable why people come to those conclusions, you know, um, but the Bible promises that we will have trouble. And he says uh, in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So in this verse, uh, you are promised that you will have trouble, but the joy comes in taking heart. I have overcome the world. So that's how we have joy in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the, the word is clear. We're going to. It doesn't say right. it doesn't say you might have trouble from time to time. It says right. you're going to have trouble. And that's that's something that um I think sometimes believers get surprised when things don't go their way or when those troubles come, our first response is to say, God, why are you letting this happen? And I I do think that's a normal human response, but we're, we act like we're surprised when the word actually says you're going to have trouble. You should expect it. It's going to come. In other words, you're not, you know, if I could put this in the language of my teenagers, you're not always going to win the ball game. You're not always going to have your personal best for each game, whether your team wins or not. Things are not always going to go your way. You might have poor health diagnoses. Um, all these things, you know, they're they're going to come at some point, And the Bible tells us to expect those things. Yes, yes. Uh, in this, under this same joy is found in good circumstances, good health under that. Uh, that's the worldly joy, biblical joy. Another thought was that God wants himself and what he is doing in and through our circumstances to be the source of our joy. And that comes from James one, two through four. And that says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the trials are the hard part, right? Mm -hmm. And the joy comes when we realize what God is doing. He is making us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Yeah. And that's, I, you know, I think we should acknowledge that that's kind of a hard, it's a hard thing. It's not, yeah. none, of, none of these are um, our attempts to tell you, hey, this is going to be easy. Right. Or exactly. even that you're going to understand it all. It's, it's difficult to understand why God uses hard things to produce this kind of joy or why God asks us to find joy in him rather than in our circumstances. It's not an easy thing to understand, but that is what he asks us to do. Um, You know, God, I've said this before, as it relates to prayer, God may not always answer my prayers exactly the way I want him to, but he will always answer my prayers by giving me more of himself. Right. Always. And that's where we're supposed to find the joy. And that I would say is one of the things that differentiates biblical joy from any other kind of joy. And that is that nothing can take us away from God. Nothing can ever take us away from him. If his main purpose is to give us more of himself, nothing can ever stop that. And so no matter what's happening in our lives that might be good or bad or or high or low, God always gives more of himself. We don't have to wait on that. He gives it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that is awesome. Let's talk about our second uh, source of what we might call worldly joy. And that is that joy is found when we are in control, when we are strong, and when we are independent. And I have to tell you, I lived this one for many, many years, and I still fight it in my daily life. Um, I am, I was raised to be in control, to be strong, um, to be an independent woman who didn't necessarily have to think about or depend on other people. And that that's really the way I was raised. And, and so when, uh, when our boys came along, I've shared this story so many times, when our boys came along, they really just kicked my feet out from under me in all the best ways, but they did. They really turned my entire life upside down and showed me how little control I actually had and how weak I was and how much I needed to depend on God. So I think it's a good thing to pause and just look at, okay, what does God's word actually say about this? Because life is going, if it hasn't happened yet, friends, life is at some point going to come in and kick your feet out from under you in some way. So if you haven't figured out yet that you, that you don't maybe have as much control as you think you do, it's going to happen at some point. So what's the mm. biblical truth that goes along with this? Mm. Uh, I love what you just shared, Brooke. I do. And I, and you know, it brought to mind that I, I was raised completely opposite. I was raised in a more controlled environment where I was not allowed to do a whole lot on my own thing for myself, you know? Um, and, and, and I want to make sure I say that this, this was done with good intentions. You know, this was the way that my parents knew how to love. And I am not necessarily, you know, bitter towards them in that, about that. Uh, but what it did was the complete opposite. I, as an adult, I have struggled with, um, confidence and wanting to walk, you know, kind of step out and do things because I've never felt like I was capable. So I coming from it at a different angle, you mm-hmm. know, to yeah. a certain extent, but, um, but, but the biblical joy could be applied to both angles um, um, or both perspectives. 
It's, um, you know, that we must learn to shift our focus from life circumstances and unknowns and choose instead to focus on God's purpose. So joy is found not in my strength or lack, you know, or for me, it was lack of strength, but joy is found in God's strength, not in my own. And it says in Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And also that God is our strength or our power. And this is the same word that Jesus uses in Acts 1.8 when he promises to give us power with the coming of the Holy Spirit who now lives within us. God is also our ever-present helper, the one who cares enough to share his unlimited resources. And then also we're told in 2 Corinthians 12 that we are to boast in our weakness. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. So from whatever perspective you're coming from, we need to realize that we are not strong, but our strength is found in God. Mm -hmm. So you know, we can boast in weakness, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is, that is so contrary to what the world is trying to tell specifically women. I think these days, Um, I think as women, we are, we are constantly getting the message that we are strong. We can do it. You know, you've got this uh, I, I have gotten to the point where I hesitate to say to anyone, you've got this because oh, yeah, I'm not sure they do. And, and, yeah. and I'm not sure they can, you know, certainly there are things that I can do in my own strength, right? Like I know how to tie my shoes and I can, <laughs> I can, I can fix my family breakfast. And there are certainly things that all of us can do in our own strength. But, but it is my experience that you can live for so long in your own strength. And then at some point, something's going to come along and your strength is going to run out. Yeah. And I don't know what that's going to be for you. For me, it was my children. Um, later on, once I started to feel a little bit stronger again, it was a season of loss in our lives where we lost several family members in a row and then had a miscarriage. And, and it has been cyclical. There are times when I feel strong. And there are times when the Lord reminds me of how weak I actually am, but it's, it's so countercultural to say, I'm actually not that strong and I need Jesus yeah. every day. Yeah. And, and in fact, I have loved for years, the verses from Paul in second Corinthians, where he says that we are to boast in our weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, that that verse has been foundational to everything we've done at Million Praying Moms, because Mm -hmm. we talk pretty freely here about how we get it wrong, the ways that we aren't enough in and of ourselves. And it was so freeing for me early in my own motherhood to just lay that down and say, you know what? I don't have what it takes. I'm not in control. I'm not strong enough. And I actually need to be dependent upon the Lord on a daily basis. It was freeing to me to let go of the, that worldly standard or that worldly, you know, where I thought I was going to be getting my set, my source of joy to just lay it down and say, you know what? It's okay. If I'm not, it's okay. If I'm not. Yep. 
So I just, I think that's such a great foundational truth that sometimes we just need to let it go. We Mm. feel like we have all this control and that we need to be strong. And in reality, God's word says something completely opposite, that we are actually to boast in our weaknesses. That's just, it was revolutionary for me to think about that as a mom. And, uh, and I hope that it will be freeing for those listening to the third source of worldly joy that I, that we want to talk about today is that the world says joy is found in receiving, but actually God's word yet again, says something completely different. Talk to us about that, Gina. Mm. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this too, um, multiple times about how God has provided for us in so many ways through his people. And that not only brings us joy, but I think it really get, gives the person had, who has had the opportunity to share and to help provide for another's need so much joy knowing they were used by God. That's the principle we're talking about here. This is so true. And I have actually seen this so much in our children's lives. We, um, we live down the street, right down the street from my parents. And actually my husband's parents live just, we kind of live in an L shape. We're in the middle of an L, of an L shape from our, both of our families, which has been fun over the years. But one of the things my parents live on this, this big hill, they've lived there my whole life. I remember when I was a kid, getting off at the bus and then dreading having to walk up that big hill. But my dad is, he just turned 86. And so on trash day, which is Tuesdays around here, he struggles to get the trash from their garage down to the bottom of the hill where, you know, so that the trash people can go get it. And so Uh, several years ago, he can do it, but he kind of has to load it. He loads it into the car to do it instead of walking it down. And so um, several years ago, my, uh, my boys and I decided that we were going to take that over for him. And so every Tuesday, we try to leave the house just a few minutes early so that we can go up and take care of Gaggy's trash for him. And so it's interesting because nobody (laughs) <laughs> I, I really, really want them to have a cheerful heart about this. I really want them to like, instead of having this fight back and forth, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. No, no, it's your turn. I did it last <laughs> week. No, I did it last week. Don't you remember it changed or, you know, whatever. Um, and so last, last week, last, this past Tuesday, we were having this back and forth with them and I'm like, okay, stop. I don't really care whose turn it was. (laughs) I don't care whose turn it was last week. What I really want, if you're going to fight about something, what I'd like for you to fight about is, no, I'm going to take care of Gaggy this week. No, no, it's my turn. I'm going to serve Gaggy this week. No, you did it. You got to do it. You got to do it last week. (laughs) No, it's my turn this week. I want to take care of Nana Gaggy. And so um, I said, I'd really like to see that in your heart instead of this, you do it. No, you do it. I don't want to do it. You do it. But I think that's a normal response for kids, but it's an opportunity for us to say, no, let's take joy in giving to someone who's actually given quite a bit to us in return. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. And I'll, I still have that argument in my brain sometimes mm-hmm. too. I did it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 it says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. And so we ask ourselves sometimes, am I being a cheerful giver right now? Or am I just doing it because I have to, that was part of what we had the discussion about in our, 
in our car that Tuesday was, look, are you being cheerful about this? Well, no, I'm definitely not. So what do we do about that? Yeah. Right. And then, well, and then in Psalm 4, 7, it says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. So basically it's, I have more joy in my heart than those who have an abundance, right? Who have basically everything they need, everything they want, probably more than they need. In Luke 12, 33, you see, uh, it says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And then in Psalm 37, 21, it says, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And finally, in Acts 20, 35, it says, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, I think scripture is pretty clear that the joy that we are to to find as believers is in serving others. And really that's Mm. what Christ modeled for us, right? I think the way that he washed the disciples' feet. Um, I think of the way that he, of course, gave himself up for us on the cross and suffered. I mean, his entire life was serving others. And he even said, I I came to serve. Yeah. I came to serve. And that is where our joy is found. But the world would say it was found in receiving. So we've talked about three different things. Let me just recap those a little bit. The first source of worldly joy is that joy is found in good circumstances that happen to us, good experiences, good things that happen in our lives. But the Bible says um, that our joy comes from God himself and that we're going to have hard circumstances. We're going to have things that happen that, that, that are not good. And so we have to learn to find joy in God himself. The second source of worldly joy is that joy is found when we're in control, when we're strong and when we're independent. And actually the Bible says that there's so much freedom when we just let go of that and choose to find our strength and our joy uh, in God. And that when we, instead of trying to feel like we need to be strong all the time, we boast in our weaknesses. It is just a complete biblical opposite. And then finally, the third worldly joy source is that joy is found in receiving. Let me get, get, get everything I can, Mm. that everything I can. And the Bible, again, says something completely different and that joy is found in giving and, and even sacrificially giving to the point where, We give our last little bit. There's so much joy that can be found there. I think this is such a great foundation for the rest of the season, the rest of what we're going to be talking about in this season, where we're really trying to get to the root of why believers are not experiencing biblical joy. Next week, we're going to tackle the second reason, and that is because we often choose good over God. And we're going to explain what that means in our next episode. So I don't want you to miss that. Also, don't forget to pick up your copy of our newest prayer journal, Everyday Prayers for Joy. If this season has your attention, decide right now to follow God's leading and go deeper on this subject, setting aside the next 30 days to focus on choosing joy and praying for joy in your own life. You can get it anywhere books are sold or at the link in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Million Praying Moms. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or in the Million Praying Moms community where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom. 
And don't forget to download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. Find all the links you need at www.millionprayingmoms.com. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.